podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Liverpool are off the back of a disappointing result against Southampton uh, at the weekend and the possibility of playing Aston Villa this weekend. Uh, joining me on the line is Liverpool journalist for The Athletic, James Pearce, possibly the most famous person that I've interviewed, I think, now. Um, James, um, the Southampton game, uh, it was a game of two halves really, wasn't it? Um, I, didn't, I didn't feel there was any lack of effort, but how did you see the game? Yeah, just immensely frustrating. I think, um, you know, Liverpool got off to a disastrous start, didn't they? And I think in a, what was always going to be a tricky a tricky game down there on the south coast, you know, Hassan Hootel's done a, a decent job at, in turning Southampton around. I think the worst possible thing was to, was to give them that, that early lift. And especially, you know, second half, it, it meant that Southampton could just sit back and, and defend what they had. And and you have to say have to say that they did they did that job very well. I think you know from Liverpool's perspective they played into their hands by so much of the build up play was pedestrian and too predictable and you know there was none of that zip and guile and creativity and spark that we've been spoilt with really in the last few years that's that's brought so much success. Um, Liverpool created you know very little really when you think you know I think there was a stat knocking around that. I think it was 15 minutes to go till till they finally had a shot on target, and even that was was you know it was hardly much of a save force from Fraser Forster, who you know, and that was you know another annoyance the fact you know Southampton had a standing keeper that was just just barely tested, and um, you know Klopp quite rightly I felt pointed to a couple of you know big penalty appeals that were turned down. Liverpool certainly didn't have any luck on the night, um, but you know I wouldn't hide behind that because I thought they were architects of their own downfall really because um there were just too many errors and I just thought they were they were kind of lackluster and and, and lacking in tempo in, in all departments. I think um I, I mean I do agree with you but I also uh feel like you have to give massive praise to Southampton because the way they went about the business certainly in the first half the pressing was very impressive it was in packs they cut off passing lanes to Thiago Thiago certainly didn't seem to know what was going on and why he had no space I mean did you did, is that something that you you thought as well yeah yeah I think it, it was just a different type of game wasn't it that Liverpool have had recently because I think against West Brom and Newcastle they were up against two teams who just sat off and and let them have 70, 80-odd percent possession. And this was a bit different with, you know, the fact that the way that Southampton play, the way that, that Hassan Hootel has got them going, they don't they do not do that. You know, they do certainly in that first half. They, they unsettled Liverpool by, as you said, you know, shutting down space, not giving them that time um, to, to really dictate the, the, the play. Um, and, and I just felt, you know, even you know, in midfield that, they caused Liverpool problems. Liverpool never really got control, mm. um, and I'm sure with the benefit of hindsight, I think Klopp would, you know, would probably regret the the team that he went with because, um, you know, of course it was a completely new look midfield from the the previous game, and I, I just think Liverpool couldn't really afford to have two players in there who have played so little football. I think um, you know, Thiago clearly needs time to get mm. fully up to speed. Um, you know, of course, he wasn't wasn't ideal. The fact he picked up that early booking as well, which meant he had to tread so carefully. And I, and I thought, you know, Oxlade Chamberlain, who, who again similar to Thiago, has played 
so little football, you know, not a big surprise that he was lacking rhythm and sharpness. And, um, you know, I, I think that hurt Liverpool on the night. And, you know, it kind of comes back to the centre-back situation, doesn't it? Because um, it's not, the lack of centre-backs isn't hurting Liverpool in terms of conceding loads of goals because they're not, you know, I think it's eight Premier League goals conceded in 12 games since Van Dijk's been out. But it's more what they're missing further forward from having to play midfielders out of position. And um, that was one of the things I came away thinking from a bitterly cold night at St Mary's was, you know, how much Liverpool would have benefited from having Fabinho and, and Henderson in midfield. I think it would have been a, a very, very different outcome. I think, um, I mean, I've, I read your article on the the Athletic, um, the recent one, and you convey an idea that Liverpool are struggling to score and that 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 is sort of linked to the centre-back situation and there's some stats that Tom Vorville, do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think there is a definite a definite link there because you know I, I think it's probably too easy for people to say, well, hang on a minute, why are, why are Liverpool fans or the manager moaning about a lack of centre backs when you know it, it's scoring goals, which is the issue at the moment? But I think you know it, all these things have a knock on effect, don't they? And um, you know that Tom Warville in that piece that was published on the Athletic today, you know, with the data that he studied, you know, I think it it kind of perfectly illustrates the way that Liverpool can't play in the same way when they don't have Fabinho in that holding midfield. Well, I don't think there's a better number six in the Premier League than Fabinho. So um, when he's not there, they, they miss him. And similarly, the other night, you know, I, I, you're watching it thinking, if only we had Jordan Henderson's dynamism and energy in the middle of the park really getting Liverpool going. He was, you know, because he was playing deeper, I thought he did very well as a standing defender, but he's not, He's not as influential as he would be in his in his usual position. So, um, so yeah, I think I think the data just you know those numbers that Tom Warvel's come up with just backs up the idea that Liverpool can't build play in the same manner as they used to when they don't have Van Dijk and they don't have Gomez and when they've got you know key midfielders playing at at centre back. So it's it's not you know it's not about suddenly leaking goals. It's not about you know, it's too easy to say, oh, Mo Salah's gone off the boil in the last couple of weeks. It's all very much, you know, everything is interlinked and it, it does come back to the lack of centre-backs. And, you know, to, for me, that is that is you know, what has hurt Liverpool, especially in the last few weeks. No, I completely agree with that. And, uh, you know, it, it is a cheap thing just to say that the, the, the forwards aren't, aren't performing and there's obviously a link there. Would you, um, what, just on the Henderson thing, what's your personal opinion? Because personally, I, you know, I don't think that it's an experiment we can write off yet. I'd like to see him play five games there and see where we are. I mean, football fans are so, they're, they're very much of the opinion that until they see something work, it's never going to work. Um, and at the moment, because we've seen Henderson play centre-back twice, we saw him in the World Club Championship, thought he played all right. The other day, we conceded one goal in the game. A few hairy moments, but do you, what do you think about that as an experiment? Do you think it deserves to be given time, or would you just go forget that? Let's get Henderson back in midfield, and let's let's just let's say to Reese Williams, it's your position. You play whether you make mistakes or not. You play. Do you know what I, I I I think what we'll see is Klopp continuing to rotate that position because I don't I don't think we're going to suddenly see Jordan Henderson playing. 10, 15 games between now and the end of the season at centre-half. But I also don't think 
it's realistic to think he's not going to feature there again or it didn't work it didn't work the other night so call a call a halt to it i think i think we've seen already that the clock will keep on mixing things up i think um you know reese williams has done brilliantly when he's come in but i just don't think again for such a young player such a big step up you know a kid who was playing non-league football in national league north 12 months ago to to suddenly expect him to be playing every week at a really high level is completely unrealistic um i think with nat phillips when you look at the way that Klopp has used him i think he probably sees nat phillips as being ideal for the kind of games where liverpool are going to have 70 80 odd percent possession and also they're not going to be up against blistering pace because i think nat phillips would probably be the first to admit that his strength is more physical battles than than um than, than sprinted sprint races with attackers um, so I think he'll keep on mixing it up. I mean, the, of course, the big thing is I asked Klopp today about Joel Matip. And he said, you know, he, he has got a chance of being fit for the visit of Manchester United. Um, he said it's going to be close, but we hope so. And, and, you know, that's huge because, you know, if you've got a Fabinho-Matip combination, then then suddenly, you know, things look that much rosier, don't they? Because, you know, without doubt, then you have Henderson in midfield. Within a week or two, I'd expect Thiago to be back up to full speed and expecting him to have a you know a really influential role in the in the second half of the season. So um yeah, I think you know the 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 big thing for Liverpool and which is you know if they don't buy in January which you know again my understanding is at the moment it's looking unlikely that they will buy a center half due to you know affordability and availability. Um if if they don't bring someone else in then they're just so reliant, aren't they, on Matip trying to trying to stay fit because he's had you know injury after injury. You know nobody ever questions Joel Matip's quality because he is an elite centre half. It, it's just that you just don't seem to be able to rely on him week after week because he he picks up so many issues. Just I can't let you go without talking about transfers because you're. Uh... You, you're basically the transfer guru. Everyone was waiting for James Pierce to to post that tweet about the uh, the next signing. You've done a, a piece in the Athletic. Basically, your information is that we're not going to sign a centre back in the in the January transfer, which you've just um, mentioned. There's, there's some other little murmurings from foreign journalists. Who there's an Alaba story, I believe, today. Um, can you just elaborate on that, what your information is? Because in your story, you mentioned Kabak, White, Botman. What, what's, the, what's the latest on, the, on that for us? Yeah, well, my understanding, which is articulated obviously in that article on The Athletic today, is that Liverpool have kind of assessed the merits of dozens of centre-halves from across Europe um, in recent months. I think you know, it's not this situation hasn't suddenly been thrust upon Liverpool. You know, Van Dijk was injured in mid-October. Gomez in early November um so they've had time to prepare and I know you know I get a lot of people on social media saying oh it's a smokescreen Liverpool are keeping their cards close to their chest you know they're they're working on something massive and you're like well I think if you use a bit of common sense the you know because Liverpool have known for a long time they needed a centre-half they would have had someone lined up for January the 1st you know if if they were about to buy they mm. would have done it already um you know the reason they haven't is because well two main reasons one the players that they want aren't available and um 
you know, it's you know, I know I know people will say, well, Liverpool signed Suarez in January, they signed Van Dijk in January, but you know, Van Dijk was a different situation because Liverpool had essentially had to sit tight for six months because of what had happened with Southampton the previous summer. Um, but it is pr- problematic to get the best players. You know, take up a Meccano at Leipzig as a perfect example. You know, he's got a release clause next summer, which you know I would be amazed if Liverpool, you know, weren't having conversations with him. But trying to get him in January is absolutely impossible. You know, Liverpool are playing Leipzig in the Champions League next month. Hmm. Um, you know, they're they're just not going to be contemplating selling one of their best players at this stage. And and then the other element which people don't want to hear is is the finance because um, you know people you know will say well hang on a minute Liverpool won the Premier League they won the Champions League the year before you know they must have the money. But you know my information is they don't. You know it's it, we're in the middle of a global pandemic that's cost the club in excess of a hundred million pounds, and and finance is tight and. You know, so by the summer, not only will the availability be better in terms of getting players, but also they should have a, a much greater clarity on what the financial situation is and when they'll be getting match day revenue coming back with hopefully fans, you know, streaming back into Anfield. So um, I think you can never say never. You know, it's you know, I think from my understanding is, you know, probably two things would have to happen for Liverpool's. Um, two possible things to happen for Liverpool to change their stance. One would be another injury. You know, heaven forbid something happened to Fabinho. You know, then I think, then you know, how could Liverpool possibly not go and get someone if mm-hmm. if something happened to Fabinho? And secondly, if one of the players they want suddenly becomes available, if what if a club you know in these cash-strapped times needs the money, then is it a deal that they could bring forward from the summer to January? But at the moment, there's there's no sign of that. And, um, you know, and I suppose the other argument is why, don't, why doesn't Klopp go down the route of a stopgap signing? Um, but, you know, he said he doesn't want to do that. He said, I don't want someone for three or four months. I want someone for three or four years. And, you know, if he's not, it, it's that, that's the other thing. I see a lot of fans say, well, just go and get someone on loan. And it's like, well, if you're going to get someone on loan, that probably means they're what, third, fourth, no, probably fourth or fifth choice mm-hmm. centre back at another club. So, you know, and, and like where you know, I, I don't even know who would fit the bill, and and it's like, are, would they really be better than, you know, than what Liverpool have got, and how long would they need to settle in? Um, you know, would they realistically be able to just come in and and hit the ground running? And I just think Klopp would rather give opportunities to someone like Reese Williams than mm-hmm. than bring in someone who's actually not up to it, and and who you know would only be here for a, a few months. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's a gamble. It's no- there's no doubt about that. It's um, it's a it's a gamble with so much at stake. But at the moment, that seems to be the club stance. Everything you've said there, um, there'll be people watching this going, yeah. But what about in the summer when you said we weren't going to sign Tiago, and then we ended up signing Tiago, and we weren't, you know, what what's what's your response to 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 that sort of thing? I understand personally that transfers is a very fluid situation and things change yeah, well, one day. From one day to the next, it will change. But people don't understand. I mean, what what would your be, response be to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, I've seen that a lot on social media recently. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, for a start, I, I'd, I'd love for someone to point out to me where I said Liverpool definitely wouldn't sign Thiago because um, I remember very early on when I checked out those rumours, um, I was told it was unlikely but not impossible. I, I'm pretty sure that was what I tweeted. You probably and that was 
that was in June, I think it was, and, and then Liverpool ended up signing him in what was it mid mid September. So um, no, all the way along, you know, it's you know, I, I you know, it was you know, people will say, oh, you know, but but you said this, but you said that, but you can only report what yeah. you know what your understanding is at a particular time, and things things do change, and you know, I, I had people telling me in June or July that Thiago was a done deal. Well, it it clearly wasn't, was it? Because although Liverpool ended up signing it, they signed him in mid-September. So yeah. those people who, it, it just makes me laugh sometimes that you see people say, oh, congratulations to such and such. He said back in June that Liverpool were getting this. Like, well, what did Liverpool do? Get the deal done in June and then just forget just, to like, to yeah. announce it for another like three months or whatever it was. So, so yeah, there's, you know, and, and, and I think also some people have got small memories with all the other ones that you yeah. said weren't going to happen and didn't happen, you know, mm. People like Nicholas Pepe, and you yeah. know how many times that summer did you know the abuse that you get for saying Liverpool aren't in for Nicholas Pepe, and people cling to you know some other source saying Liverpool are on the brink of signing him, and there's been there's been so many like that over the years. So um, so no, it's I um, <laughs> I, I get used to it. It's it's uh, it's absolutely fine. But I think with, with Thiago, it was just an evolving situation yeah. where. Um, you know, the, the reality is it dragged on so long because I think, you know, Liverpool didn't have, you know, again, it comes back to money. You know, one of the key reasons why they ended up being able to get Thiago was I think the down payment to Bayern Munich was only five million quid. And, um, you know, and for a long time, it looked like they would only get Thiago if when Aldem left, you know, mm. they were braced for an offer from, from Barcelona. That offer never came. So then they had to make a judgment call. Do we, you know, because when Aldem is now staying, do we still go and get Thiago where it probably looked beforehand that he would be a replacement for Wijnaldum? And I think, you know, quite rightly, they came to the conclusion that actually Thiago is such a, an elite level player that if you, can, if you can get Bayern down to an acceptable level fee-wise and in terms of price structure, then, then go ahead and do it. So um, I was, you know, I was as delighted as anyone on the, you know, I think it was a very early morning in September when uh, when I had confirmation that that they had made their move and that a deal was very close to be being done. And um, you know, of course, that story was was revealed on the Athletic. Do you have a problem with the Black News Pierce um, thing? No, no, no. I no, no. I, I mean, it's um, no. It's I've got I've got used to it now. It just it just makes me laugh. That obviously, you get you know Sven Botman last weekend would be the well. Perfect. Exactly, that was the thing that I thought about. It was a yeah, reason. Yeah. I mean, that would be the probably the, the perfect example of you get you know I wasn't even working last weekend, but yeah, when I checked my Twitter mentions, I probably had thousands of people demanding to know whether there was any truth in Liverpool in negotiations to sign Botman. So I thought, you know, I'll have to make some calls and make some inquiries and speak to a few people and. And you know the answers coming back were all the same. That zero interest. Yeah. Liverpool just think it's it's someone trying to create interest and drive up the price in a player. But then of course you know all those people that were demanding you you, you know they they wanted you to or me to say whether it was true or not. When you tell them it wasn't true, they, it, because they don't hear what they want to hear. Yeah, yeah. Then you're a then you're a fraud. You're making it up. You're not reliable. Blah blah blah. So yeah. That um. Yeah, that just seems to be part of the job. So, uh, yeah, roll on the end of January. Yeah, I can't say I particularly enjoy the transfer windows. No. I mean, the, um, just let me get, ask you quickly about the Jota one. Did that come completely out of the blue for you as well as, as, as all of us? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, the Jota one, um, yeah, but, and, and, and again, you know, I think, um, you know, certainly, you know, the, the understanding was that, that, that Liverpool's top defensive, tar- uh, sorry, top attacking target was, uh, was served from, from, from Watford. You know, that was, you know, that I think has been well documented, in a, certainly on the Athletic and a number of other media organisations as well. And that was, you know, that, that, that wasn't like, you know, a work of, of fantasy. That was, that was true. You know, Liverpool will tell you that they were in negotiations with Watford and, um, but they just felt that the demands for him were just far too high. I think you were looking at kind of over 40 million basic, reaching 50 million with add-ons. And so, you know, I think they reached a point where they quickly changed their focus from Saar to, to Jota. And um, so, yeah, that one, that one hundred percent came out the blue, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't like Saar was like a red herring, and they were. Well, I was going to say people would say that was a smokescreen, and Liverpool were doing business their way and all that. But it, it, you know, in reality, it doesn't work like that. They that was the target. They decided to not go for it, and then they went for another target. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the way that Liverpool tend to do things. I think when they when they drill it down, they have usually a three three man shortlist for a position they're looking to strengthen. And then, and then, quite often, they're actually negotiating with you know two or three people on that list at the same time to to see, you know, because you never really know to make a final judgment call until you've got all the numbers in front of you in terms of all you know exactly how much would this deal cost, what is the structure, what are the wages, um, you know. And it was a similar situation with the you know the left back situation again. It wasn't, it wasn't a smokescreen. Um, that they that that cost the Simicus, you know, it wasn't like they were working on that all the way along, and they didn't want anyone to know about it. It was just that, um, you know, they they just felt that Norwich's demands were were too great. So, you know, and they'd already gone, a, you know, they already had a, some negotiations. They knew exactly what Simicus wanted and decided to to switch to him. And it was a similar story with Jota as well. Before I let you go, um, can we? <laughs> <laughs> you probably get sick of transfers, but I can't let you go without asking you about summer transfers. Now, Fabrizio Romano has made, has tweeted that Liverpool are working on something big in the summer. Um, have you, I mean, that's, it's, it's quite vague that, but then of course, everyone is looking at Mbappe and Sancho as the two things that, you know, Liverpool fans would most like to do. What uh, what do you think? What's your understanding of what Liverpool are looking at for the summer? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's just too early to say what's realistic in terms of happening in the summer because there's just too much uncertainty at the moment in terms of you know what does it, what happens with this season? It, it, you know, with the way that, that the pandemic is now, and you know, with the, the increase in positive tests, you know, we we don't even know whether this season is going to get played to a finish. We hope it will. Um, but if it doesn't, of course, that's going to have knock-on effects with TV rebates and you know how much longer are the club's going to have to do without match day revenue. So, yeah, I think it's um, it's, it's a nice thing to say that Liverpool are plotting something big for the summer. And I'm, you know, I'm, of course, they they will be looking to make you know at least one you know decent addition because they'll have to go and sign a you know a frontline centre back. That is absolutely crystal clear. But um, in in terms of having clarity on what they could or couldn't do, it's it's just too much up in the air at the moment. And I think you know the talk of Mbappe and Sancho. I think a player like that only becomes realistic if if one of the front three 
was to was to move on because you know I think you just have to look at the mm. the mathematics of trying to make a deal like that work that you're not going to bring in someone like that especially when you've got Jota as well you're not going to have Salamane Firmino Jota and Mbappe and or um or Sancho you know it's that's just completely utterly unrealistic so um and you know at, at the moment you know we, we don't we don't know do we what what will happen with Salamane Firmino will one of them at some point want to pursue a new challenge of course there's been some speculation about Mo Salah um but yeah it's all of that is is up in the air it's just just too far away at the moment someone you mentioned before actually with with an eye on the summer was up Meccano he has he got a release clause in the cut summer for 40 million pounds is that your understanding yeah yeah that's 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 the um that's my understanding from from certainly sources in the in in Germany and you know, and our guys are well connected over there. So, um, so yeah, I think you know, and certainly with you know with the performances that that he's put in and his rise um, with with Leipzig, you know, there there'll be I think there'll be a lot of takers at that kind of price level. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't you know I would I would be amazed if Liverpool weren't having conversations with a view to that one in the in the summer, but. Um, again, you know, there will be other names on that Liverpool list as well. Well, James, listen, thank you very much for your time. I know you're a busy man, so uh, I'll let you get back to uh, what you do best and um, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers, bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.